What is up, people? You are listening into New Generation Sports Talk. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a great show lined up for you guys today. We'll be talking plenty about the NFL season so far. We are three weeks into the season. Now we're heading into week four. Already some major form, uh, major storylines forming for this season. Some surprises, some not-so-surprises, uh, some drama. So <laughs> I feel like the NFL season so far has definitely lived up to the hype. So we'll get your uh, our thoughts. We'll give you guys our thoughts on what's been going on so far. We'll also be talking about college football. We have some major matchups this week, including two monster games regarding top five teams. You got Alabama facing Arkansas this week. That's a top 25 matchup. You got Clemson hosting NC State. That's a top 10 matchup. So really awesome stuff happening in the college football season as well. So we'll give you guys a preview of those games. And then we'll talk about some uh, maybe some unscrupulous things happening in the world of sports. Of course, uh, the Celtics will not have their head coach, Ime Udoka, for this uh, upcoming season due to a suspension for violating team rules. I have not talked much about this situation, but we'll get into it a little bit today. And we'll also talk about the Brett Favre scandal. Brett Favre, Green Bay Packers legend, NFL uh, legend, in very much hot water for some allegations of fraud dealing with welfare funds and them being misused misused in his home state of Mississippi. So, <laughs> last uh, last bit of the show may get a little uh, more scrupulous and more ratchet, but this is what's happening in sports, and we try to give you guys the big stuff happening. So, should be a great show for you guys. Joining me is my co-host for this week, Shamari Stewart. And Sham, I want to begin this week talking about baseball. Um, it's not something necessarily we talk about as much on this show. Not necessarily on purpose, like we don't like baseball or anything. But it's just uh, not the sport we talk about as much on this podcast. But it's been a pretty exciting month of September. First of all, shout out to Albert Pujols. I didn't actually write this on our rundown, Sham. But shout out to Albert Pujols hitting 700 home runs for a career. Yep. I mean, you know, Albert Pujols is a guy that we grew up watching you know, really in our childhood. And now yep. here we are, <laughs> uh, me in my 30s, uh, you approaching 30s, and our pool is still playing baseball and really against all odds when you think of how this season started for him. And he was struggling. He was hitting like 214. Like he was, he, he didn't look like he was getting anywhere close to 700. And um, he did it in quite an immaculate fashion, hitting two home runs in, in Dodger Stadium last weekend. So, Major shout out to Albert Pujols for for breaking for making history. And another person making history is from Shamari's uh, hometown team, his favorite team, the New York Yankees. You got Aaron Judge, who hit home run number sixty one last night. So now he has tied the American League record held for, of course, uh, all these years by Roger Maris when he hit 61 home runs in the year of nineteen sixty one. And Shamari, I don't know how much you've been following this story, but. Uh, Roger Maris Jr., the son of Roger Maris, essentially has been traveling with the Yankees, waiting for the moment that Aaron Judge would hit this home run so that he could be there for the moment. He's been sitting in the stands, uh, sitting next to Aaron Judge's mom or his parents. And it's been kind of funny because Judge has been, I don't know if I would call it a slump, but he's been a little bit of a home run slump. Like he, When he got to 60, we thought, okay, we have 61 any time soon. And as we were joking this weekend, they had cutting into college football games on Saturday, thinking that we were going to see 61, and it didn't happen. And then we didn't get the 61st home run of the season for Aaron Judge until Wednesday night in Toronto. And they had talked to Roger Maris Jr. about his feelings on it. And I think some people are a little upset. And some people, I think, are actually praising Roger Maris Jr. for these comments about the validity of Aaron Judge's 
home run chase and where he stands in history. Take a listen. Well, I think it means a lot, and it's not just for me. I think it means a lot for a lot of people, you know, that uh, he's clean. He's a Yankee. He plays the game the right way. And, uh, you know, I think it gives people a chance to look at somebody who, uh, you know, should be revered for hitting 62 home runs and not just as a, a guy who did it in the American League. He should be revered for, you know, being the actual single season home run champ. I mean, that's really who he is if he hits 62. And, uh, and I think that's what needs to happen. I think baseball needs to look at the records, and I think baseball should do something. Shamari, when these comments were obviously made public and started being disseminated across all the interwebs, um, it put a lot of people in a little bit of a tizzy. I saw a lot of people saying, how dare he? I watched Barry Bonds hit 73 home runs. I watched the summer chase of 1998, and it was the greatest thing of all time. And I'll say this. I watched the Barry Bonds home run chase, as you did, as us growing up as kids in Queens. We both watched the 1998 home run race. I probably remember a little more than you. You were, I guess, four or five. I was, you know, um, seven. And I definitely remember that chase. And, mm-hmm. and we we talk, we joke often about how just wild that those times were between 98 and, like, 04 with all the home runs that were being hit. And these guys looking like they should be playing, you know, linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And instead, they were the cleanup hitter you know, for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Like, it was just a pretty, pretty crazy time when you talk about the steroid era. But a lot of people have seen what Roger Maris said and thought that this was blasphemous for him to say that Aaron Judge, who would uh, he would break Roger Maris's American League record, but now saying that he should actually be recognized as a true single season home run king because I, I we could not have to assume he's saying that Bonds, McGuire, and Sammy Sosa, those guys are steroid cheats and should not be recognized by. Major League Baseball. He's saying that they should even look at the rules and look at the record books and how they kind of view the home run record after all of this. I don't know how you feel about this, Sham, but I was, I, I honestly feel like, and I saw, shout out to Lindsay Adler. She covers the Yankees. I think she had a pretty nuanced take, and I kind of agree with it, where I feel like it's okay for like me or you to acknowledge that that home run chase was crazy and we see Barry Bonds as the home run king at 73 home runs that's what we believe because we saw it and it was incredible it's 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 totally fine to say yo the 98 home run chase was crazy and it was one of the best times watching baseball and was just kind of just a a all-inspiring thing to see two guys going on some crazy home run chase and I think it's also okay to say hey the guys uh the, the the son of a legendary baseball player who had his home run record broken by guys that did steroids and, uh, and, and used illegal substances in order to do that, that him feeling like <laughs> those guys aren't legitimate, that's okay. I feel like all of it's okay. Like, I feel like there's, there we don't have to. I think, Shamar, we live in this world where it's ironic because we all acknowledge that we're never going to agree on everything, but I feel like everyone wants to fight to tooth and nail for everyone to agree on everything. Like, it's okay. I, I, do I agree with Roger Maris that Aaron Judge is the home run king now? Hell no. <laughs> no, I saw a guy hit 73 home runs in the season. Also, I don't know what the hell Aaron Judge is doing. I don't think he's on steroids at all. But to just make some blanket statement, oh, he's clean. I mean, you don't know that, Roger Maris. You don't know if it's steroids. You don't know if he's using something else. So even that was a little bit off-putting. But also at the same time, like, I'm also, I feel weird about these people coming in trying to, you know, trying to slander Roger Maris Jr., 
for not acknowledging Barry Bonds and Sosa and McGuire. Like, he don't like them dudes. He don't like them dudes. They pass up his father, and he looks at it and says, yo, my father should still have the record. My father should still be more revered because those guys cheated. Like, okay, fine. It's okay. <laughs> like, I don't know how you feel about this, but, like, seeing um, the, the reaction, so many people, like, just being like, oh, this is Roger Maris giving out participation trophies. I'm like, yo, dude, relax. It's not, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, look, we've talked about this, of course, you know, um, we've talked about this many, many, many times in, in, uh, in terms of, you know, what's legitimate and who's the real, you know, home run leader and, in, in, you know, especially particularly when it comes to the Hall of Fame, because uh, that's a whole other discussion, of course, but um, I mean, I, I mean, I can't like, like you, EJ, I can't just all that bond stuff it didn't happen you know i i can't i still i still you know i still would i still find it weird that those guys aren't in the hall of fame i just find it weird you know it's weird to me it doesn't it doesn't it's just odd you know it makes that it makes the hall seem almost illegitimate i know i don't know i don't know how blasphemous that is but just as someone no but no there are a lot of people there are a lot of people yeah there are a lot of people feel that way too yeah these were the guys these were the best players. It just is what it is. Like it or not like it, however it happened, these were the best players. And they played, you know, they weren't, you know, banned from the sport or, you know, it, it, like, you know, while they're playing, they weren't like, oh my God, get this guy. You know, they, they played and they did extremely well and they hold these records. So, I mean, it is what it is. And, um, you know, um, I don't see it the way that, uh, Roger Maris Jr. sees it. Um, though, of course, I am also a Yankee fan. I do, I do think it's awesome that Aaron Judge is 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 going on this streak and, and is doing what he's doing. Um, so, I mean, I kind of agree. I see both sides of it, um, but you know, I I I wouldn't go as far as to say that he's just the other those other guys that don't count. I mean, I think I think that's going a little far, and uh, you know, I mean, I agree. He has a right to his opinion. Uh, but you know, like you said, you know, a lot of people aren't aren't going to agree, including Major League Baseball, who doesn't agree because they haven't changed. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, they haven't yeah changed baseball anything. ain't changed nothing. Yeah, they're not going to agree with that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just feel like, like again, the, the, do I agree with the, that when we take the take in its totality? No, I don't think that you can say, well, because Aaron Judge is clean, which we again, I'm not accusing Aaron Judge of anything. Right. I I, I don't know. All I know is that he's tested for steroids and PEDs like every other player, and he's never, he's never been tested positive. So that's all I have right now. I know Barry Bonds has never technically tested positive for steroids either. So that's why this whole thing is such a gray area where, you know, my my feelings about the steroid era and the players who played in it have changed over the course of time. And I've become much more lenient to people who are either confirmed or accused steroid users Simply because there's so much to to kind of whittle through so much gray area, you just you'll just spin yourself into a crazy hypothetical and a crazy set of standards that just in the end won't actually end up making sense. Like to say Aaron Judge is clean because he never tested positive is in direct contradiction to Barry Bonds never testing positive. So okay, you want to say well he's never linked to an investigation that said he used steroids? Okay, like. But like he he wasn't charged with anything. He he didn't he wasn't convicted of perjury by saying with him saying that he never knowingly took steroids. So what are we actually going on? And I'm look I am not some Barry Bonds shooter. 
who's saying that he wasn't juicing. I'm like 100% sure Bonds was juicing. But at the same time, I don't necessarily get to the point to say that, well, because we we know this guy is clean when we just simply don't know that. All we know is that he's tested negative every time he's been tested, that that's therefore he's the home run king. We, we can't do that. And I think that it's unfair, especially when you consider if we want to start saying, OK, well, this error doesn't count because the steroids, you say, OK, well, what about players who played pre-integration like, you know, Babe Ruth? had the home run record of 60 home runs, be played in an era where black players weren't allowed to play. Like, is that record legitimate? Like, did Roger Maris break a legitimate record? Like, I, I don't know. Like, what are we doing here? Like, I just feel like, again, I, I don't agree at all with Maris's point. But at the same time, I think as humans, we should be able to have some nuanced look at this and say, okay, well, he is this man's son, and he loves his father, I assume, and... His father didn't have access to steroids, and the guys who broke his record did. So he hates those dudes. That's fine. Like, that's totally fine. I do feel like some of the dogpiling we're seeing on Maris is kind of just weird. I'm just like, what do you expect? Like, you want people to be real, and this guy is a real, he's a real guy. He's not someone who's just conforming to whatever standard. I don't know if necessarily the whole consensus is that we all just acknowledge Bonds and McGuire as true home run kings but like it, it just i just thought that that was kind of just weird energy like i wasn't all that surprised it was noteworthy that he said it it was i was surprised that he said it but i, I didn't really understand so much the people who like were like no you gotta agree that bonds is the home run king is not aaron judge i'm like yo he can believe whatever he wants like he, he don't he don't run major league baseball like he, he literally has no say he's just some dude's son like relax but um, but anyway, shout out to Aaron Judge, uh, an incredible season, and no doubt, no doubt, the American League MVP. I don't want to hear the Shohei Otani nonsense about him being the MVP, not Aaron Judge. I understand what Shohei Otani does, and again, I've talked about Shohei Otani's brilliance before he even got to Major League Baseball. So don't need to explain to me about how great Otani is as a pitcher and hitter. I don't want to hear about a guy who's playing on a team that's like forty games under five hundred. That is blasphemy to say that that guy. Is not the is not is the MVP is not the guy who had sixty one home runs for a team that was in a pennant race that ended up winning their division and he carried them for most of the season. That that Otani MVP you want to talk about a take that does piss me off that MVP Otani take drives me crazy. So I don't want to hear about anything about that. Judge is definitely the MVP of the league. Shout out to Aaron Judge for uh, tying the home run record, and hopefully the guy that catches sixty two has way better luck than the guy last night. Did you guys see the guy drop the ball last night, Sham? No. The guy, so the ball was hit, so, you know, they, they hit the ball in Toronto, and, you, you you know, I know you don't watch baseball as much as I do, but, you know, Toronto Rogers uh, Field, I want to call it, Rogers Stadium, whatever they call it, but anyway, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, whatever they call it, Rogers Center, but anyway, he hits the ball out, I think it was to, like, right center field, and remember, like, that stadium, like, the bullpen is right behind that wall, so the fans aren't, like, right at the bleachers, like, they're kind of a level, they're, like, a level up, uh-huh. so, the, like, they got, so hits the guy in the first row, and he drops it, essentially right in front of him into the bullpen. Oh. So this guy, like you know, and you know this guy had you know was devastated because he he just dropped a million dollars or however much money that ball would have costed. I mean, it hit him right in the hands, literally. And he had a glove, Sham. He had a glove. <laughs> he brought a he brought a baseball glove to the stadium, which technically is is a uh, is kind of like you know against guy code if you're talking about uh, being a grown man bringing a baseball glove to a, a a stadium. But he he brought a glove to the stadium and still couldn't make the catch. I mean, if I was that guy, I would I would feel sick. 
knowing that I had at least mm-hmm. at least hundreds of thousands of dollars literally in my hand, and I just couldn't make the play. Terrible stuff. But um, let's 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 talk about the NFL. So let's get to stuff happening throughout the NFL season so far. So last podcast we recorded was prior to Week One. We had our big NFL preview. So if you want to hear about all the great stuff me and Shamari got right and all the great stuff me and Shamari got wrong, check out that preview podcast as we uh, recap what we've seen through three weeks so far. We now come into Week Four of the season. We have just two undefeated teams coming into the week. The Dolphins and the Eagles, of course, the Dolphins are playing tonight. We're recording this podcast Thursday night, so they are either still undefeated uh, or no longer undefeated, depending on the result of that game, of course, against the Cincinnati Bengals, who, by the way, Sham, are wearing their white helmets for the first time with their all-white uniforms. And Clean. I, yo, I got I to say, man, I feel like, is this not the most anticipated drop for a uniform in NFL history? Uh, I, mean, I was I thinking about this the other day. History, but, I mean, I was but, thinking about it though. Like, like, can you think of the last time that people were this excited to see a uniform? I I can't remember. It. I can't remember a time. If someone else could think of a time, like tweet me ej underscore stewart, tweet the show at New Generation Pod. But I can't think of a time where fans were this excited about a uniform choice. And it's really not even a uniform per se. It's it's a it's an accessory part of the uniform. It's just a helmet because they've worn these uniforms before. It's just a matter of having the white helmet to match with the white, all-white look. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a, we've been talking about this really since training camp, really since whenever they announced that they could wear white helmets now. And now we come into this week, and that, to me, feels like almost as big a storyline as the Dolphins trying to remain undefeated. So shout-out to the Bengals for rocking these just absolute clean uh, clean uh, uniforms that Shamari mentioned. Are they, are, they, are they the best uniforms in the NFL right now? Uh, I mean, almost certainly. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, that look particularly. Yeah. 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 No, I agree. Yeah, nothing's touching that. And I and I really do love uh this Chargers uniform. I think the Chargers have the best uniforms in football. But yeah, I don't even think I don't even think my love for the San, for the Los Angeles Jesus Los Angeles Chargers uniforms could match uh just the absolute ten out of ten look that the Bengals are trying now on Thursday night football, but. Uh, the Bengals, excuse me, the Eagles and Dolphins remain undefeated. Uh, we also have two teams that don't have wins, uh, the Raiders and the Texans. The Raiders are the only 0-3 team this season. The Texans do have a tie at the time with the Colts in Week 1. And we also have question marks about the AFC West. The Chargers, as I mentioned, stumbled out of the, out of the blocks. You got Justin Herbert dealing with a rib injury. Some big injuries to uh, Rayshon Slater out for the year. Joey Bosa is now down, so... Not looking good for the Chargers. The Broncos are 2-1, but they have not looked impressive in any game they've played this year, despite that record. And Nathaniel Hackett looks like he can't hack it. So not a good sign for how things look in AFC West, which we all thought was going to be a juggernaut. And we also have one major QB injury. Trey Lance, who came in as a starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, he is out for the season with a ankle injury. And Jimmy Garoppolo is now back in the fray. So, Sham, plenty of intriguing storylines so far this season. Which one is most interesting in your eyes? Um, so, so of course I'm in Philly, so I'm biased for the for the Eagles. Um, but I mean, honestly, the Dolphins are looking crazy right now. I mean, there's so much hype for Miami right now. I mean, they look like they can score at will. Tua looks like an entirely different quarterback 
<laughs> you know, he looks like a totally different person. Yeah. Um, than he did before. Um, which is why I'm not buying any of the crazy, you know, all, all the stuff they're saying about like Fields and some some other guys. Even what people were saying about about Lawrence last year and stuff. It's like these guys need help, right? Even Lawrence this yeah. year looks much better, and he has more help. You know, right. so it's like, you know, so but Tua looks totally different. My, I mean, this team, Miami, this Miami team is looks very dangerous. And of course, I'm not going to go off the ledge and say, oh, they're going to go undefeated or anything crazy like that. But they do look very dangerous. And, um, and I think they beat, they've beaten very good teams so far, including a, a very dangerous uh, Bills team. Um, you know, and of course, you know, they had yeah, yeah, last week they were saying the Bills could go 17 and 0. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 18 and 0, whatever it is. Yeah. 17 and 0. And then now, and, and they, they got knocked off. Yeah, and you know we saw how uh, Ken Dorsey reacted to that. Um, and if you haven't, you looked that up. It's very well, Ken, Ken Dorsey. Uh, Ken Dorsey reaction is pretty much just how every Miami Hurricane and Miami Hurricane fan felt that weekend. It just wasn't a good weekend <laughs> for the Hurricanes. You know, Ken Dorsey, a great Miami Hurricane quarterback. He's the OC. Yeah, yeah. His losses were piling up that weekend. Yeah, yeah. He had a rough weekend. He's literally in, he's literally in the city for the weekend. So he just saw his Canes lose to Middle Tennessee State where they couldn't get a stop, where their starting quarterback, who they thought maybe could compete for a Heisman, is throwing picks to guys who should be playing in D2. Um, like, And then he sees his running back not be able to get out of bounds at a critical moment in time, though I, I do think he tried. He just couldn't get there. I think some people have been criticizing McKenzie. I think that's a little unfair. But nonetheless, they can't execute late in the game to ensure they can get one last play. And the game ends. And he flipped out. Yeah. He, he's smashing stuff. I mean, it is. if you have not seen it, I don't know how you haven't because it's gone completely viral. I've seen it a million it's times. It's gone viral. People are but just definitely, definitely just, just search. at this point. Oh, yeah. Definitely um, just search Ken Dorsey. Just search Ken Dorsey. And it's the first thing you'll see. <laughs> yeah, and it's sad because I'm like, Ken Dorsey you know, is an um, OC. He's a great college quarterback. And now he's going to be remembered for this. But yeah, he's gotta, this he's is gotta, what the Miami Dolphins are doing to people. a little more... Uh, you need a little more self self control. He's got to yeah. do some some kind of some yoga or something. Yeah, but this um, is what the Miami Dolphins are doing to people right now. Yeah, the Dolphins are doing people, and uh, now I think the Eagles are a story. But I'll I'll point specifically to Jalen Hurts. I think he's another story that I think is going to continue to develop uh, throughout this season. Um, I don't know if that's a bold prediction or whatever, but I, he's having himself a season, and. He, he like I believe he was like the NFC Offensive Player of the Month, and he's he is, you know, he's on a rocket ship to the moon right now. If he keeps this this level of production, and you know, the Dolphins are the team right now. I think everyone's looking at. I'm looking at the Dolphins like, what is going on? But they, I think going forward, the Eagles and Jalen Hurts are going to be the team that that where it's like is I mean it's it's gonna it's quite a transformation. I think we're seeing in Philadelphia as well. Yeah, I mean, I'll start with Philly because Philly is to me is my is my number one story right now. And okay, you know, we were at you know, week two in Philadelphia for their Monday night home opener against the Vikings, and they couldn't look more yes. dominant. Like the Vikings, I think are a good team. I think that they are a team that can compete for a playoff spot. Um, there, I think they can compete for the division even. And they made the Vikings look like a JV team. They made the Vikings look like a team that shouldn't have been on the field with them. And I. It's crazy because, as you remember, Sham, I picked the Eagles to go to the Super Bowl. And they are, I was surprised, they were not a, 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 a pick that a lot of people were going for. Like, a lot of people kind of had um, doubts about Jalen Hurts. 
doubts about whether or not the mm-hmm. offense really come together. And now they look like a juggernaut. I mean, they dominate you in the line of scrimmage. Um, Jalen Hurts is so accurate with the ball. I mean, just he's just making pinpoint passes in the pocket. I mean, some of those throws to, to um, uh, Devontae Smith last week in Washington, down yep. the field, back shoulder, just putting on a clinic. I mean, his, 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 his throwing in the pocket, which people question, has been fantastic this year. These receivers and this tight end, these guys are running open just regularly. <laughs> like, these guys can't be covered. In combination of Brown and Smith with Goddard, it's just it's, it's game over. Like, this team is... As you said, and a problem. And they can run the ball. And they can run the ball. You got Miles Sanders. You got Gainwell. Like, this team is a problem. Like, we all knew their defense would be pretty good. And we knew their offense would be better. But I don't think anyone really assumed that they would be so dominant on both sides of the ball. But that's mm-hmm. what we saw. I mean, they just made Carson Wentz. Just, he just melted in that game. I mean, I think there was... And Carson Wentz, he kind of was playing okay coming into week three. It wasn't like... You know, Carson Wentz was just a disaster in his first two games. He had disastrous moments because he's Carson Wentz. But he was playing okay. So there were some intrigues. Okay, what's he going to do playing against his old team? And he just, he, he just, they just locked him up. They just couldn't do, Washington couldn't do anything against his team offensively. And then defensively, um, the Eagles just shredded them early in the game. They did what you expect teams that can win a Super Bowl, teams that have championship aspirations to do to a team like Washington. And... All the talk about, oh, it's a division game, and oh, we got to see, and Carson Wentz revenge tour. All that was thrown out the window really like, <laughs> it seemed like two minutes into the game. Like two minutes mm-hmm. into the game, you could you realized, okay, this is going to be a three or four touchdown game. Like it, you knew the game was over. And the Eagles looking that dominant and that scary feels like a, a changing of the guard potentially in the NFC. Because I came into this year, and everybody was saying, I know every I know all the stuff going on with the Bucks and the issues with Tom Brady, but how could you not look at the Bucks as the favorite? Or I know the Packers had all these issues with their receivers and, and Rodgers looking, sounding frustrated in training camp. But how could you not look at the Packers as a favorite? And sometimes, Samari, the game kind of just passes by these teams earlier than we expect. And we just, they just, they're championship contenders until they're just not. And it's just one season. You're like, oh, wow, this team that was been a championship contender for the last three years, they're just not as good as this other team anymore. And sometimes it happens quicker than we expect, expect. And look, it's early in the season. I'm not trying to bury those other teams. But Philly is way better than that team, either of those teams right now. We, you just saw those two teams play this past Sunday. Those teams didn't look like teams that go in the Super Bowl. Those teams look like flawed teams. They, they're they good. They're good. But they don't look like Philadelphia. I mean, yeah. Green Bay couldn't do anything against Minnesota. And Philly demolished them the next week. Yep. So the Philadelphia Eagles, the team that I picked, to go to the Super Bowl, I could not feel better about that pick than I do right now. They look like a championship caliber team. Now, we'll see what happens with injuries. They've already dealt with some already, so it's not like they've, they've been injury-free. Um, but I really love what I'm seeing from Philadelphia. And shout-out, as you mentioned, to Jalen Hurts. I think that, as I mentioned on the preview show we did, the one – or maybe, I think – I'm not sure if I did. I know I've talked about it a lot on CBS Watch Radio. Shout-out to my day job when I'm over there. But the one thing about Jalen Hurts is the guy always gets better. And yep. whenever you think he's hit his ceiling, whether it be his physical ceiling or just his ability to put up even better numbers, he always seems to take it to another notch. 
Like you saw him in his freshman year at Alabama, and they won a championship. He said, okay, that was good, but he really was just a game manager. And you get to his sophomore year, and he puts up all those big numbers, but then he looks like he hits the ceiling because they can't uh, move the ball against Georgia, and he has to be taken out of the game for Tua. And you say, see, that's why this guy is really just a game manager. Like, he can't do it. But guess what? He got better. He got better, and even though he didn't start the next year, the next time he got a chance to start, he went up against that same Georgia team in the SEC championship game and put it on him. Absolutely put it on him. And you saw, oh, wow, this guy Jalen Hurts, he's really got some mm-hmm. game. He's really improved. But Okay, but can he really do that for a full season? Can he do that someplace outside of Alabama? And then he went to Oklahoma and had a Heisman caliber season. He was a Heisman finalist. Every time people doubt this young man, he rises to the occasion. At a certain point, y'all got to stop doubting Jalen Hurts. I'm not trying to say that he's going to be a, a multiple-time MVP, but I ain't saying that he ain't going to be. Because every time you say he can't do something, he shows that he can. Uh, and I just think that he's the kind of leader. He's the kind of guy that people rally around. He just seems like a special cat. And that's why I, I, when I came into the season, a lot of people didn't want to give a lot of faith in the Eagles because of Jalen Hurts. And I looked at it the opposite. I said, I may not have seen it yet from Jalen Hurts, but that doesn't mean that he won't show it now. It doesn't mean that he won't take what he saw in that disastrous playoff game he had last year. And get, be a lot better. And the team got better. It wasn't just also him. They actually supported him, which goes to your point, Sham, that you're 100% right about not only Tua, but also Jalen Hurts. All you teams out there with young quarterbacks, New York Jets, Jacksonville Jaguars, Chicago Bears, 49ers. Who else is out there with a young quarterback? Houston Texans. I don't know if the quarterback's on their roster yet, but Dave Mills right now is young, though he's struggling. If you want... Your quarterback to succeed, surround them with real players. Do not think that you can just draft a quarterback and that guy is going to come in day one and just yeah. change life for you and you don't have to do anything else. Joe Burrow. Look at what they did in Cincinnati. Like, there's this notion, and I think we're realizing, first of all, a lot of these quarterbacks, these guys are good. Like, quarterback coaching from the college level and the high school level it's so much better than it was 10 years mm-hmm. ago. And I don't even want to think about where it was 20, 30 years ago. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like, these guys are coming in. These kids can spin it. But the thought that you can just throw these guys out there and just have no support and think that, well, they'll just lift everybody up around them. I'm not sure if that's ever worked. But, like, I think there was a notion that, well, the good quarterbacks will still kind of, the cream will still kind of rise to the top. And if you're good, you'll still find a way. And that is just not the case. I think a lot of these kids got talent. And some of them we will never know if they're good because they're stuck in terrible situations where teams don't correctly support them. Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungavailoa, two guys a lot of people had a lot of doubts about, especially Tua. You put real weapons around them, all of a sudden, these guys look like Pro Bowl. These guys look like all pro caliber players. It's not a rocket science. Mm-hmm. These guys were... Top-notch college quarterbacks. Two of the top 10 draft pick. Heisman Trophy winner. Of course a guy can throw the football. Of course he can hit guys like Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill if he's given time to throw the football. I mean, come on. This ain't a rocket science. Yep, yep. But when I, I, mean, when I see I'm, these I'm other teams, and when I see these hundred other teams, and you see, you know, how, how they don't support these quarterbacks, and then they, they look at the quarterback and say, well, it's his fault. He didn't rise to the occasion. It's like, no, you didn't support them correctly. Think about, Shamari, think about another storyline, the Jacksonville Jaguars, 2-1. and one. 
Yes. And think about how Lawrence looked with that bozo Urban Meyer. <laughs> right. And that bozo roster that they put together. Some of it, no, they can't control ETN getting hurt week one. Okay, fine. But they can control benching Jane Robinson for some random reason, Urban Meyer. They can control the lack of weapons on the outside, the lack of speed, lack of protection. They can control that. Massive distractions every week. Distractions every freaking week from the head coach (laughs) of all people. And look how Trevor Lawrence looked. This guy was seen as the golden child, the guy that was a can't-miss prospect. We came out last year thinking, yo, is is he good? Like, can he play in this league? Like, it sounded crazy considering what he did in college, but that's how bad he looked at times. But just a few just tweaks, like, I don't know, competent head coaching. (laughs) A guy who actually knew what he was doing in Doug Peterson. Give him a Christian Christian Kirk. Give him some support. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow, this Trey Young... I mean, this trail, this uh, this uh, this uh, Trevor Lawrence kid is pretty good. I'm like, yeah, he was the number one pick in the draft. Of course, he's good. All these kids are good, but if they don't have the proper support around them, you're never gonna see it. So, yeah. massive shout out to the Jacksonville Jaguars for their great start to the season, um, and shout out to Doug Peterson. It, it felt like a great hire when they hired him, but to see it kind of play out that way also has been really great. Mm-hmm. And and also shout out to James Robinson who is, who is having a great year despite you know being in that ridiculous doghouse that he was in under Urban Meyer. I mean, just my God, what 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 a terrible situation that was. Um, I will say though, Sham, my other pick for the Super Bowl, the Los Angeles Chargers, not looking so good, man. <laughs> yeah, and and you know with Herbert's injuries, there's just it does, there's uh, a lot of uh, dark clouds over the the. Chargers heads right now. Yeah, and and this is announced uh, yesterday. Joey Bosa going on IR. Yeah, Bosa too. Yeah, you know, so so he's gonna be out for for a while now, and and Slater's already done for the year. Um, man, the Chargers just it just feels like they just can't get out of their own way. And of course, the Jacksonville Jaguars were the team that just you know handed their heads to them last week in Los Angeles. Yeah, you know, it, it, and I don't really know what to make of it. Like like. You know, they won their game week one against the Raiders. They, uh, they they had a game with the Chiefs that was extremely competitive, and quite frankly, a game I think they should have won. The game turned completely on that pick six that Herbert threw. But I don't know what it is with this team, man. They they are, they would they should get Keenan Allen back, so that should help. But I don't know. I, I, and I, I do have questions about Staley. And I said when I made the pick that you know that he really was the only guy that I that concerned me really. I you know I should have been concerned about the whole organization because they never seem to figure it out but like why was why was herbert even playing in that game like he's got bright he's got a yeah. broken rib cartilage you see the guy wasn't right in the last game he played in the chiefs and you're playing against the jacksonville jaguars the jaguars look a lot better so i'm not even gonna talk about how oh you should be able to beat them him without him but it's week three why are you risking everything for the jacksonville jaguars in week three this game is not going to decide whether or not you win the division or whether or not you make the playoffs. Like, it's way early in the season for that. Like, and then you leave them out there when you're getting blown out. They were down three scores going into the fourth quarter, and Herbert's still taking hits. Yeah, I mean, that didn't make that. Didn't what, make what the hell? Off. What the hell is Brand? Was he asleep? What the hell is Brandon Staley doing? Yeah, yeah, he's being he was being dragged for that, and and rightfully so. I have no idea what he was doing. 
Um, I mean, Herbert wanted to play, but of course he wanted to play. the football player. Yeah, he's a right? warrior. I mean, shout out to Jason yeah, Herbert. We all know he has toughness. No one can doubt that anymore. And I don't think anybody <laughs> right. did. But, I mean, now we, we are confirmed. Okay, yeah, this guy's a tough guy. No question. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but he also seems like, you know, he doesn't seem like such a hothead that he wouldn't understand why 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 you'd be sitting down play. right exactly. <laughs> you know? so he, so he's not the kind of guy where it's like oh yeah and, you know maybe you just no like like just tell him and talk to him for a couple minutes about it and then just you got to move on you got to do what's best for the organization so i agree that that was very strange it didn't make much sense and the chargers it, it, and again you know we you come into a week no game was a guaranteed win or anything like that but when you also look at the Chargers' schedule, first of all, it's a, it's a pretty easy schedule. Finishing in third place helped them a lot last year for this season. But, like, you, you look at the schedule they have this year. Like, you mm-hmm. play the Texans on the road this week. You go on the road to the Browns. Okay, the Browns, they're playing pretty well with Jacoby Brissett. Um, but then you got the Broncos. They look like a mess. I don't care if they're 2-1. and one. Then you got the Seahawks and the Falcons and the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, this is not, like... You could have afforded to have two weeks where, okay, the Jaguars and Texans game will play without Herbert, and hopefully we win a game. And if you don't, okay, let's say you are in a one and four start, you still have a chance to still make the playoffs because of the rest of the rest of the way, the way the rest of the schedule plays out. It's not like you were like, yo, we got the Chiefs and the Packers and the Eagles coming up. Like, nah, we got to get this Jaguars game. Like, it wasn't right. like that. So, like, even man- like when you're a head coach, you got to not manage just that game. You got to manage the season and. Really, it's not even just managing the season when it comes to someone like Justin Herbert. You got to manage their career. Staley yep. did none of that. He didn't do any of it. He didn't manage the game. He didn't manage the, the, the season. He didn't manage Justin Herbert's career. So, I mean, it's it's tough to sit here and, and still have any belief that the Chargers can go to the mountaintop and get to the Super Bowl because if you can't make these simple decisions of, oh, okay, one, we probably don't need to play Herbert here. Okay, but you put him out there because the guy's a tough guy. He refuses to – he really wants to play. Okay, you're down th- three scores. Uh, it's probably the time to pull and – he, and he looks hurt. It's probably the time to pull him. To not pull him? There's going to be other tough decisions that come come about in this season and in the career of Brandon Staley. If he's going to treat them like he treated this one, there's, he's never going to win Super Bowl. You're never going to win Super Bowl with that guy. So, man, that was that was very disappointing, I thought, in terms of – some of the stuff I had seen last week and kind of over the course of this season. Um, we got Zach Wilson coming back here. I'm excited for that. Yeah, yeah, I heard. He's badly needed. I mean, I mean, to me, I, I honestly, <laughs> I don't know how this sounds, but I'm, I was, I was kind of looking. at it, I was like, is Garrett Wilson coming? I mean, is he? What's his status? Oh, right. I mean, I haven't seen. That's a good question. I haven't seen anything because Gary Wilson did go out of that game against the uh, against the the Bengals. He took a vicious shot. Uh, clean, but a vicious shot to the ribs by I believe it was yep. Bates who hit him. Um, who you know, you know, much I love Jesse Bates, one one of my favorite players in the NFL, one of the best, uh, one of the best uh, safeties in the league. Mm-hmm. But I, I say I want him to be a Jet, <laughs> but but nonetheless, he took a vicious shot from him and went out of the game with a rib injury. He went in for X rays and then he came back and played the rest of the game. So I assume he's fine. I don't haven't heard anything that he he somehow was not going to play or was limited or whatever. Or even okay. what the injury is if he did have an injury, but um, but but yeah, uh, yeah, there, that was that was a scare last week, and and that honestly, I'm glad you brought that up because that's also a deal where you talk about coaching malpractice, honestly, and I feel like I've been very patient with Robert Sala. I really feel like I have, 
But he's coached a miserable season this year. And I'm watching Joe Flacco throw these hospital balls over the middle to Garrett Wilson. (laughs) These hospital balls to Brees Hall. And when I say hospital balls, because some people I tweeted it was someone like, "What's that?" You know, ball away if you throw it, you might be getting your receiver sent to the hospital because yeah, he's gonna get you're, you're drilled. Your receiver in the hospital. Yeah, you're, he's gonna get drilled by a linebacker <laughs> or a safety coming in red hot. And you watch Flacco put on that pathetic performance, and you don't even think maybe I should switch quarterbacks. What like what what was Robert Sala doing? Yep. I mean, I mean, and 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 and, and, and the hospital balls and the, and the Flacco treatment the flacco handling is really very low in my bar in terms of things i've had issues with robert solid with but that just defense stinks and somehow he won't take the play calling from this guy Olbrick, who i don't he's never been a coordinator before so it's not like this guy has some long track record of oh don't worry he can turn the defense around i've seen this guy coach for 20 games and every week shamari just come out opening drive defer other team gets the ball go down the field touchdown just get the <laughs> ball back three and out punt other teams got the ball back again. It's every week. Every week, Sham. <laughs> the other team gets the ball, whether they get the ball first or the Jets have already gone three and out and punted it to them. The other team gets the ball, goes down the field, scores a touchdown. <laughs> They're playing against the Cincinnati Bengals, who gave up the most sacks in the NFL last year, have given up the most sacks in the NFL this year, and you go down and let them score on a first drive, easy touchdown. Easy. Crazy. You only get two sacks for the whole game. You can't get a sack until the third, late in the third quarter or fourth quarter. We saw we saw Quentin Williams on the sidelines, EJ. Yeah, Quentin Williams has had enough of this crap. He, he I don't I don't blame him. Screaming at the the line the the line coach. <laughs> I don't blame him because he's like, yo, we can't generate pressure against these bums. What the hell is going on? And I say that in oh, Quentin Williams' boy. voice. I'm not calling the Bengals offensive line bums. I've actually defended the, the Bengals offensive line on the air. Oh, uh, cause I think they're, I think they're, they're new. They're, they're much better on the front. It's, but they're new, and it, it takes time for an offensive line to gel. So I think that's some of the issues you're seeing. But, but for him, like as a player, he's probably like, yo, these guys have been giving up sacks every freaking week, and we can't generate any pressure. And this guy is yelling in my face. Yeah, Quentin Williams ready to swing on that guy. And speaking of Quentin Williams, did you see what Obrick said today about Quentin, Quentin Williams? Now you got me on a tangent. So I'm gonna see if I can pull this up. And, and apologies for the. Uh, the uh, I'm gonna try to do this. Um, what's jet the word? segment? <laughs> well, not, not even a jet segment, but I'm gonna try to do a, a thing here where you can actually hear uh, what uh, Over okay. said this week. So they were asked because you know, other thing we've seen, which I think all everybody's seen that you know, you've seen is that like the Jets, the way they rotate their defensive line, according to Williams, sometimes it's not even on the field for like very key parts of the game, and it definitely made some people say, like, what the hell is going on? Why isn't Quentin Williams in the game? It's a very important part of the game <laughs> where you need to get a stop. It's third down or whatever the situation is. And he actually was asked this. And Jeff Ulbrich, who's, who did a press conference, he was talking to me today, actually talked about this. This is what he had to say. And let me know if you guys can hear this. You guys use that uh, rotation on the D-line. Uh, well, he's not talking right now. <laughs> but um, it's a question. Let me see. Yep. Yep, that is the instinct for sure. Oh, you hear? Okay. You know, there's like these oh, critical. Sorry, so I'm going to start. I can't hear. That is the instinct for sure. You know, there's like these critical moments in game, and 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 why is Quinn not out there? You know, and you look to the side, and he's gasping for air. You know, so just got to be judicious with it. Um, got to absolutely use him. 
as much as we can and as much as we can in critical moments, for sure. You know, but I still think there has to be a level of rotation. He plays at such a high clip and he goes so hard that um, sometimes more is less or more isn't necessarily as good because now you're you're not seeing the speed, the explosiveness, all the, the special stuff from an athletic standpoint that he brings. So that was that was Shamari, that was him. He, he's gasping for air on the sidelines. That's what he said about his best defensive player. <laughs> we can't put him out there in, in critical situations. When I'm looking around saying, where's Quinton? He's gasping for air. Now you know. Then you wonder why Quinton Williams is ready to smack up everybody on the, the Jets defensive staff. <laughs> How the hell do you talk about that, talk like that about your star player in front of the freaking media? When you're the head coach, the, the defensive coordinator, the leader of the defense, and you guys can't stop a nosebleed, to quote the great Bart Scott. Bart Scott. Like, that, yo, I, I, I really, I saw, I saw that, and I'm like, what's crazy about that quote to me, Sham, is I'm almost 100% convinced that he really was not trying to diss Quentin Williams, but he's so, yeah. he was so inept in trying to explain why his defensive rotations aren't working that he still threw him under the bus somehow. He still, he still found a way to throw his best defense player under the bus who has made good plays, who has, who has played pretty well this year at times, but has not been on the field for critical moments, and he's saying, well, I can't put him out there because whenever I look to him, he's out there gasping for air. What is going on here? Jeff Ulbrich, what is going on? I don't know. I've, I've already seen enough of this guy. Like, they play against the Pittsburgh Steelers this week, Sham. If they don't, if, if they give up more than 24 points to the Pittsburgh Steelers this week, Robert Silent needs to take over the play calling. Because the Steelers have not moved the ball against anyone this year. They, they, they didn't move the ball against the Patriots. They didn't move the ball against the Bengals in the game that they, they won. They didn't move the ball against the Browns. They're one of the worst offensive teams in the a, league. I have a feeling Najee Harris. And oh, yeah. You know you know what's going to happen, Sham. You already they're all, know. They're you, all going to have a career. Yeah. Game. Pickens is going to catch for 150 and two touchdowns. <laughs> Najee Harris is going to run for 120. You already know the, you already know the, the script already. Uh, That's why this thing's ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-mm. A team that can't move the ball is going to go up and down the field in the Jets. And we're not going to see any changes from the head coach. We're not going to see any passion from the head coach on the sidelines. Like, yeah. like Franklin Myers gets a pass, gets a, gets a, a, you know, a personal foul penalty on a big third down stop. And, you know, Silas talking to him. But I'm like, yo, man, like, I'm not saying yank him by the freaking, you know, face mask. But it's like, you should be chewing that guy out. Like, he just cost your team 15 yards and a chance to get off the field. Yes. Yeah, so uh, next play. So how we saw and look, I, I'm not you know, look, I think I think Dayball's done done a decent job of what he's been given. But similar yeah. to how we how we saw Dayball chewing out Daniel Jones, did you see that? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. yeah week one, yeah, he was chewing that out was Daniel great. Jones after that play. Yeah, he's like, what the hell are you doing? You know, <laughs> he turned the ball over on the goal. We all know what he's saying, but but it's something like that. Saying Salah do something like that would just be refreshing. We like we never like it sucks because like he came into this job. And we looked at him in terms of his work in San Francisco and said, oh, here's a very fiery guy. He's not going to take this crap that's just been doing from week to week. Like, that's going to be a high standard because of the way he coaches defenses in San Francisco. And, like, I just see him on the sidelines, and he just seems totally content with the Jets getting their ass kicked every week. Like, I'm I'm sorry, Sham. Like, I cannot see my head coach look that content getting his ass handed to him every week. Like, that that just – that ticks me off so much. <laughs> like, it'd be different if your team was competing. If your team was actually, you know, fighting these close games. 
when your team's making mental errors, making big mistakes in games that they could be in if they don't make these mistakes. And then he's just on the sidelines, just like chilling. And then they asked him about the press conference. He's like, "Yeah, you know, we gotta be more disciplined, and we you know, we, you know, we gotta we gotta look at, at the film. Like it, it's bad when DJ Reed, that the star corner for the Jets, who's had a phenomenal year so far, both cornerbacks, Reed and Sauce Gardner, real deal uh, for both of them, as far as I'm concerned. But it's bad when Reed's the guy's like, "Yo, man, we had to stop with these this miscommunication and these mental errors. Like we gotta have a meeting with the defensive coaches. How the hell do you have a player calling for a player coach meeting with the team?" Where's the leadership in the coaching staff? <laughs> right. I, 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 th- that rant was not part of the docket for today. But, I, I, you know, you mentioned Garrett Wilson getting hurt, and that just threw me into a freaking rage thinking about wh- how this coaching staff has performed this year. Yeah. Yeah, because um, he, he looks like a very special player. So. Oh, Garrett Wilson. Pretty- I know you want to talk another guy who looks like the real deal. I mean, Garrett Wilson looks like the best Jet receiver I've seen since Brandon Marshall. <laughs> yeah. And I've only watched him. I've, I've only watched him play three. Watched him play three games. I'm like, yo, he, he's he the best receiver I've had since Brandon Marshall. What was that like 2015? <laughs> it's like six years. It's been a long time. Yeah, very long time. Very yeah, that time. that that kid can play. I know he didn't get offensive rookie of the year. It went to his uh his former teammate Chris Olave, yeah, who's Olave. also having a great year. Um, Olave has more yards. I know. Garrett's got a touchdown. He's got a game winning. He's got two touchdowns. He's got the game winning touchdown from week two. I'm not. I'm not tripping about him not getting it because Olave has just been amazing and he does. He has concern, like I think Garrett Wilson. I think said like two seventeen. I think Olave is around like two eighty or two seventy something like that. So he's got a considerable leap on him on the yards. But you want to talk about receiving core? You want to talk about another storyline real quickly? Like the, the the rookie receivers this year, Sham. You want to talk yeah, about dynamite? I mean, oh my god. Garrett Wilson, Drake London, uh, we mentioned Olave, uh, I mentioned Pickens. Like, these dudes can play, man. And we haven't like, even seen Jameson Williams, who, I, not who, seen I, James who I thought might yet. be the who, best of all. Yeah, who could very well be the best one. And when he's healthy, he's probably the fastest one of them all. Like, man. It's going gonna, it's gonna, to tell you what. It's going to – I wonder how this season – and we could probably move on to couple back this, but I wonder how this season is going to make – GMs reevaluate how they approach receivers, particularly in the NFL draft, because what we had seen for a long time, and it had been backed up by pretty much all facts, was that it really wasn't worth it to go all out for some stud wide receiver early in the first round, because typically you can get a potential future Hall of Famer in the second or third round. Like there was a long stretch of time where Second round wide receivers and third round wide receivers were regularly outplaying first round wide receivers, guys drafting the top 10. But I think similar to quarterbacking, like I said earlier, how quarterback coaching is so much better and these kids in college and high school so much better. I think the same thing can be said for wide receiver play. I think wide receiver play is so yeah. much better on the college level because the yeah, passing game, now are just the passing like, game is so much better on the college level. And I yeah. think that the passing game is so much better on a high school level that it is way easier, I think, to discern who is nice and who is not. Like, I think if you if you really are that nice, like, yeah, you you you're probably a first round pick, and that guy is probably going to be one of the better players in this class. Like, to pass up on that yeah. guy means you're probably getting a worse player. You could like, not say that even see, three or four years ago. Like, we can already see in college football now who's going to be the guys. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> next year. Yeah, we already see. 
Worthy, Addison. Yeah. Like you, you, you watch them every yep. week. Uh of course, you know, Smith and Jigba, like Smith we Jigba. know who the guys are. <laughs> right. We know who they are now. So this this idea that you think, oh, don't worry, I'll just wait till next year to get my I'll wait till you know the, the next round to get my quarter my wide receiver. Okay, good luck. Good luck. With Gary Wilson, Olave, Drake London, all these guys have just been just studs. And I also didn't mention Jahan, Jahan Dotson, who's also yep, shown Dotson. great flashes yep. this year. He had two touchdowns in his first game of the season. He's already had three touchdowns for the season. Eagles locked him up, but the Eagles are locking everybody up. I'm not going to you know, get, ding him for that. I mean, yep. you, you, want, you want your wide receiver, you better get him early. Uh, you want to risk... Saying we will wait until X round. All right, I, I think I think you'll be sadly mistaken, man. But yeah, it's been it's been a fun NFL season so far. Uh, we'll be talking more about the NFL uh, throughout this season, but I, I do want to also talk some college football. So I already mentioned my 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 Canes who who look dreadful. First of all, the state of college the state of college football in Florida, Shamari, is not good. Um, it's not neither, spot, both, not yeah, both of us, both of us can acknowledge that we don't, like, we don't rock with Florida State at all, as all. So we can, we can join forces on this one. But you got the the, the bum ass Seminoles who are undefeated, and I say that lovingly, you know, because uh, I'm a Miami Hurricane fan. They're having a great season. Shout out to, um, uh, to uh, to their coach. Well, I can't remember the coach's name. Uh, Norvell, Mike Norvell. Um, shout out yeah. to Mike Norvell. Um, they had two quarterbacks play. Travis got hurt, and another kid came in and played yeah, yeah. well, and they they've had a great season well. so far. But it's sad to see Florida stay at the top and everyone else in Florida just looks looking sorry. Miami losing middle Tennessee state. I thought your Gators fought hard in that Tennessee game, but it also was kind of weird to see for the first time, Tennessee, they really have more talent than you guys. Like it was, it, it was EJ. It was like, they could score. at will. It was embarrassing. It's crazy. It, it was, it was crazy. Like, like and Tennessee has been such a malaise for so long. And even when yeah, both teams haven't time. been, yeah. even when both teams haven't been great during this time, like Florida always seemed to still have way more talent and way more upside. It was kind of crazy to watch that game. Be like, Oh wow. That other side, the tennis, them guys in the orange are, are considerably better than the guys wearing the blue today. That hasn't happened yeah. in a long time. And I just, I mean, these things can change in a year. So I'm not saying, Oh, t- t- Florida is going to be cooked. Is gonna be cooked for in this rivalry, but it was like, wow, Tennessee really—they got a real squad this year. And now, and then you get in some of the smaller schools that are, have some pride, you know, UCF and Florida Atlantic, uh, USF. Um, all these teams suck. All of them are terrible. So it's been a terrible year yep. for the state of Florida, which is a shame because Florida obviously loves its college football. But as we head into this college football season, uh, it's been a wild season so far, and this weekend setting up for some major tests for two teams ranked in the top five you got alabama who's ranked number two going to fayetteville to take Arkansas, take on arkansas who's number 20 number 20 this year the razorbacks blew an early to texas a&m to suffer their first loss of the season last year uh and jerry world in dallas that was a tough loss for the razorbacks and so you know they're going to be coming in uh looking to avenge that loss with a big matchup this week at home against alabama and then you got clemson who I thought played so far maybe the best college football game of the year so far in terms of just entertainment value. That game against Wake Forest was absolutely phenomenal, despite ESPN's mm-hmm. terrible decision to keep bringing in Aaron Judge every couple of minutes. But um, they had a, a thrilling win on the road in overtime against Wake Forest. Absolute classic over there in Winston-Salem. And now they come back to Death Valley, and they host the 10th-ranked NC State 
Wolfpack. Clemson is number five. NC State is number 10. So now you're looking at a top 10 matchup right there. And they're looking to avenge a loss to the Wolfpack from last season. So two big games this year in college football. There's some other big games this week. I know Kentucky plays Ole Miss. We'll definitely have our eyes on that. But when you look at these two games, Sham, which of these two teams, when you talk about Clemson and Alabama, do you feel like is more likely to be on upset alert? Because you were right on the money when you said that Utah was on upset alert in week one. Um, uh, yeah, I, um, I mean, honestly, I think Alabama, I think Alabama's pretty, I don't know, I want to say they're safe, but I haven't seen enough of them this year. Um, mm-hmm. and partially because they haven't been playing anybody. So <laughs> the only game they, so, the only game they played, they barely survived. Right. Yes. Yes. Against Texas, um, the only real team they played. Yeah, the only real, the only real team they played. So, um, so I haven't seen enough of Alabama, but um, they tend to do very well against Arkansas. And yes, they do. And um, and KJ Jefferson, I, I want to see him. I want to see him in the clutch. I want to see him like lead this team through a really, really tough. Uh, battle, you know, like in the stretch, um, in this, like down the stretch, and he he could put up points, you know, like like all these other SEC quarterbacks. But like, I want to see him like like kind of go through a struggle because this is going to be a struggle. It's not going to be easy for him, uh, you know. So I want to see him kind of rise to the occasion, um, uh, you know, before I would pick them over Alabama because this is a good Alabama team, um, and. Clemson, Clemson is very beatable. I still believe this Clemson team. I still think they're overrated. I just do. They look very beatable. DJ is super streaky. I don't know when he's gonna look great or when he's gonna look like a statue again. You know, and, and just or just get just get thrown to the ground or, right. You know, it's just I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna get from get from DJ. So it's. I don't believe in this. I don't. I don't believe in this Clemson team. Um, I think they. I think they're better when they rely on their running game more. Um, or at least I think they're more consistent that way. And. And their and their secondary is atrocious. So, so and can definitely yeah, be taken. Yeah, they, taken yeah, they, yeah, they had a they had major um, problems last week. Yeah, it was just nobody there. Nobody there was able to do anything. So, so this team is 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 definitely on upset watch for me. And I don't know. I I think Clemson could end up could end up losing this one, especially if NC State gets any kind of momentum. I I could see them just right. completely falling apart. But that's just me. Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, look, I picked NC State to win this conference. So. In order to do that, they'd almost certainly have to win this game. They are the only team in the ACC besides Pitt and, and North Carolina have not played, and Miami, who have not played one conference game yet. Uh, they did have that very weird opening game against uh, East Carolina where they just barely won. They, they should have lost the game, quite frankly, the way he played. Uh, so that did not look good for my college football pick of having NC State as top four. Uh, but then they also uh, had a very impressive showing against Texas Tech, a Texas Tech team that we now know is pretty good. They just beat Texas uh, uh, last week, and um, 
and they dominated Texas Tech. I watched a lot of that game. So NC State, right. surprise, surprise, has shown a little bit of Jekyll and high tendencies, which is, is the is that's pretty much just the the story of the NC State athletic program. To be honest, we talk about basketball and football, but yes, they, they but they they have talent and, and and you know their quarterback Devin Leary, um, multiple year starter, definitely one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, they can run the football. Thayer Thomas is is a top notch receiver. Uh, seeing Thomas against that secondary, I think is. It's probably why I would lean towards NC State. Um, Larry and Thomas had to have watched that game and said, "Oh, okay, we we could do something against <laughs> against this Clemson secondary." Um, because NC State is the kind of team that they're a balanced attack, but I would expect them to try to uh, air it out as much as they could pro- potentially in this game, especially because Clemson has a very good defensive front. So, uh, their Thomas scored for 115 yards last week, so he could be in for a big week this week. But the reason why I say it's tough uh, is not just because of, of how much I like Clemson, excuse me, uh, NC State this week. I, I also feel like Arkansas, well, it's tough for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think Arkansas is really good. I know they lost against Texas A&M last week. They were winning. They were dominating that game for the first quarter, and I kind of just felt like they kind of let their foot off the gas, and all of a sudden they were down. And now I'm like, oh, man, now we got to come back. I think – Playing at uh, at home and against a team that they they actually played very well against. They last year against Alabama, I think they put up like thirty five points last year. KJ uh, Jefferson threw for three touchdowns. They almost beat Alabama on the road last year, so they come into the season with a lot of confidence. Now Traylon Burke is not walking through that door, so that's a huge issue. But KJ Jefferson is, so they're gonna have mm-hmm. the quarterback who's gonna be confident, and they're gonna be at home. And like I said, the last time I saw Alabama play against anybody of value, they just they just didn't look like a team that was special. Now, could they become a team that's special? Absolutely, because they got the horses to do that. But you know, Georgia's a team that looks like that looks special. Uh, Ohio yeah. State is a team the last few weeks that looks special, especially what they did to Wisconsin. I, I have not seen that from Alabama. I, I don't care if you beat you beat Vanderbilt by hundred points. I'm not gonna think that you're special. You can beat Utah State by hundred points. I'm not gonna think you're special. You played against Texas. On the road, a game that you're, you know, like 17 point favorites, and you scratch away a one point win with the other team had their quarterback get knocked out early, and looked like if that guy played, you would have lost. I, I'm not, I'm not 100 sold on this Alabama team because of that. You know, I think this will be a great test for them. I'll be, it'll be very curious to see how much they've grown from that Texas game. They have not had a road game since. Now you have another road game in a very tough environment. I think it's going to be an interesting test for them. But the other reason why I'll hold off, uh, and why I do say it's Clemson who should be on upset alert, the reason, the reason why it gives me pause is, despite that Clemson loss, and I know I've been very critical of Dabo Sweeney for the past year, I would say, almost year plus, I thought his team showed a lot of resilience in that game, and they showed a level of football character that I did not think that they had, to be honest. Uh, mm. The way DJ was able to stand up to that pressure, they were down multiple times in that game to keep coming back. To, to tie the game and to eventually get them the lead and eventually win the game in overtime. Uh, the way that, you know, as bad as that secondary was, they were able to make a stop when they absolutely needed to make a stop late in that game. You know, they didn't convert a two-point conversion, which meant that Wake Forest had scored a touchdown. You know, the game would have been on the line, potentially on an extra point. So every, they had everything to play for on that drive. It wasn't like, okay, if they score, we're good. You know, we can just, uh, you know, wait, you know, and see if we get the ball back. Like, their defense did rise up and make a play. And I think that was a game that, uh, in terms of coaching, in terms of resilience, 
it just felt more like the championship caliber Clemson team than the Clemson teams we've seen of late, or at least of last year at least. I was very impressed by that win. I thought that game would be close. I thought it was a very good chance they'd get upset last week. And the way the game was looking, it just looked like, oh, yeah, this is going to be it. And they battled. And I think, I think they deserve way more credit for that win than Alabama deserves for Texas. So, like, that mm. – so so when, I, so, so when I say I pause in saying that Clemson should be on upset alert, it's because I think Clemson is a lot tougher than I, I even I thought. And that gives me worry about my pick for NC State for the playoffs because I think this is going to be a very tough test for them. It should be fun, though. It's definitely got to be a fun watch. Um, I don't know. I'm just – I'm very not sold on Clemson. I'm really – so what what is it about Clemson that doesn't that doesn't that you just can't? I mean, are you that concerned about the secondary? Is it DJ? Is it the coaching staff? What what is it about you that still can't get you to to lean into? So this, this so it team? is the so it is the secondary. I think their defense is very vulnerable. Um, I think I think DJ his his decision making isn't always there and. You know, like he made a, he made a few throws during that during that game, and uh, you know where if that was a pick game, game over, right? Yeah, you are right easy. about that. I know we looked at his numbers; he had a great game, but you're 100 percent right. He threw some balls. I'm like, he would have lost the team game. You know, like his, 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 the ball. Yeah, you know, where it, like it could have he could have just lost in the game right there. You know, and, right. and I'm not sold on DJ. I'm I'm not sold on DJ, which is why I think they need to rely on the running game much more. Um, and their receiving core isn't so dominant um, that that you know it's like he just said he he could just chuck it up and, and and they'll be fine like it's it's not it's good but it's not yeah. at that level so so I just I don't know I don't see top five team and that and that's not to say I don't think they're good you know yeah. I don't want to go that far they can compete with anybody but I don't think they're top five I, I think just I think having them five I don't see five. I see maybe top twenty. I see top twenty-five. Probably. I mean, I think that win last that win last week was impressive enough for that for me. But I don't see top five. You know, I I see teams like USC, you know, and um, you know, and others that that you know, teams like USC, Tennessee, teams that are just 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 doing whatever they want, yep. seemingly that look like top five teams. Like Clemson doesn't look like a top a top five team to me. Like last week, that wasn't a top five team win to me. Really? Um, no. See, see, I felt the total opposite. I felt like that was a championship caliber win. Like I feel like that's the kind of game that like like pretenders lose. Like you have a a, a Wake Forest team okay. that's just yeah. white hot offensively, just can't seem to can't miss with how they're operating. And I will say, I thought that the Wake Forest head coach did not. He did a terrible job of clock management on that final drive. Oh yeah, he did. All, all, and yeah, that, that that helped Clemson. Yeah, that helped Clemson a great deal. Like they ran the ball like five straight times. Something ridiculous. Terrible job by him on that regard. But you see Sam Hartman just sling the rock the way they are. Wake Forest kind of, even though they're they're the defending division champions, they kind of feel like the little brother in this situation. And and they're just giving it to Clemson, especially in that second half. And it just looked like a team that, oh, yeah, this is where Clemson loses. Like, this is where uh, a team like this that we think has a glass jaw breaks. And they didn't. Like, I, I, for me, that just that just, that just just gave me, again, that gave me a lot more reassurance that this is potentially 
especially the Clemson team now, they got a lot to clean up. Like they can't they can't give up six touchdowns week every week. Like Sam Hartman was just just dicing them up. That can't happen. But at the same time, do we think that DJ was capable of throwing for five and throwing for nearly four hundred yards? Like I didn't think that. Not especially. I mean, we saw him earlier this year. He didn't look like he could do that. So right. him being able to rise up to that occasion in that kind of game, I was like, okay, wow, that showed me something. Which is why this game, this game this weekend in Death Valley is must see. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how that uh that turns out. But um, but yeah, let's 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 uh, shift gears and let's quickly talk about uh, the 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 aforementioned ratchetness that I mentioned at the top of the show, the the little bit of unscrupulous behavior we have to wrap this show, but. I want to begin uh, in the NBA. So training camp is underway, but the biggest story around the league remains the fallout from Ime Udoka's year-long suspension from the Boston Celtics. Udoka, who's the head coach of the Celtics, is said to have had a consensual relationship with a staff member uh, uh, and therefore violating team guidelines. Joe Mazzula was named interim head coach. Now, details about the relationship that Udoka had with this staffer, who you know, a female staffer, obviously, has been sparse, but there was a report from Shams uh, that the team only became aware of the affair after the woman claimed Udoka made, quote, unwanted comments. The story has been a lightning rod with some questioning the Celtics' handling of the situation after several of their staff members became uh, incorrectly linked to Udoka, which was really nasty to see on social media. Uh, Because of the lack of information, quite frankly, that there was out there about what was going on with this investigation and then this would-be suspension, uh, and others have wondered why he was given such a harsh penalty if the relationship was deemed consensual or if there's something worse to it. Why was he even employed to be suspended? Why didn't they just fire him? So it left a lot of questions with this situation. And I want to get your thoughts on it. But before I get to that, Sham, like for me, I, I have purposely not said a lot about this situation because I hate kind of where we are as a society. I hate to see that we're as a society, but this is where we're at. But I, I kind of hear how, how, who we are kind of as a sports media entity in that, like, you know, things happen that are very complex and very nuanced and very kind of icky, to like a better term, that mm-hmm. is, it requires this immediate reaction. Like, you have to say something right now, say it fast, and be as loud as possible about how you feel. And we got to blame somebody immediately, like, to... to you know, or like, or you're just not paying attention or, you know, your opinion doesn't matter. And this is like, like to me, just like a cautionary tale so far of just like, we need to wait until all the information was out before you can really make a true sure. determination. Like, I think I've tweeted literally one thing about the Ime Udoka uh, thing. And I think I, all mm-hmm. I said was that it looks like the Celtics are trying to get him to quit, which I 100% still think. Like, I think that that was, regardless of whether or not this was fair, unfair, uh, whether it was consensual, non-consensual, one thing that was clear to me was that given a, a head coach, a year-long suspension, to me, tells me you'd prefer the guy just leave so you can just not have to deal you with You don't want him as your head coach. Right. And and my my only speculation I'm willing to even approach you know, with this thing is that I think there's some legal haggle that goes into whether or not they can terminate him that is making them do this. I think that there's a chance he would have, you know, threatened some kind of legal action. Because if you fire a guy, you don't got to pay him. So, at the end of the day, I think a lot of this comes down to money. I think if there was other Celtics, they'd never want Hudoku to coach their team again. But whatever 
you know, guidelines they have and whatever, you know, things they have in his contract, I think they said, all right, well, we'll make this situation so untenable for you that you'll eventually have to quit. But right now, he's just taking the year-long suspension. But I, for me, it's just been tough to kind of just see people, one, like people going, finding who these people, women are in the Celtic organization and, and putting their information out on social media. Like, honestly, like, grow up. Honestly, like, get a life. Um, and also, like, like I saw someone tweet, and shout out to them. I can't remember who it was, so forgive me. Like, who raised you? <laughs> like, who raised you? <laughs> like, you know, there's families at stake. There's people's careers at stake. And you run, yo, who's sleeping with that Slightly X code? Let's look at the, 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 the Celtic website of the staff members, and let's look at all the women. Like, that's just, like, that's like, uh, bar- that's like barbarian-type behavior. That's like Neanderthal-type behavior. And the fact that that, that was what was going on, like, there's been a lot of people that have been running to, like, it's all the Celtics' fault for doing this. And I don't think the Celtics handled this perfectly. It's just my honest opinion. But, one, I don't know all the information, so I, I cannot make a final call on it. But also, like, at a certain point, like, you got to take personal responsibility also for how you handle situations. Like, we all saw there was not a lot of information. And yet people were running around doing, acting crazy about this thing. So, mm-hmm. this is just one of those situations where, we don't have all the facts. We still don't have all the facts. And we're, we're not in a situation where, because it's a very, first of all, it's a, it's a very touchy situation. I know we live in a sports information, a 24-7, you know, 365 information world where we're expected to get information instant, instantly. But, like, some things just aren't, they just, that just isn't possible in some situations. And this, to me, looks like one of them. Where... I think the Celtics are. I think they legitimately are trying to handle this as best as they can, but because of that, it's leaving people in the dark, and it's making people act crazy. To be honest with this whole situation, um, and that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. There's some things that just you can just shut the f up about. <laughs> like I look at sometimes I got to remind myself sometimes. Sometimes I watch something like you know what I don't. I don't need to talk about this. Like I don't need to have an opinion on this. Like I, I don't like. I know, like the way society works, and the way Twitter works, and the way social media works, like it, it, it kind of, uh, it kind of, um, it, it hungers for instant reaction to things. But sometimes instant reaction isn't appropriate, and this to me is one of them, because you had all these people saying Udoka was railroaded, only for them to say, well, it sounds like there's more to it than just a central relationship, and them saying, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Uh, maybe we should just hold off until we actually figure out what the hell happened. It, it ain't that hard. Um. The only thing I will say mm-hmm. is, you know, I feel I feel one I feel terrible for families that were affected by this, whether it be Nia Long's family, whether it be the family of this other person, if they have a family that's being affected by this. Obviously, I feel terrible for the female staffers on the Boston Celtics who unfairly got roped into this. But I also do feel sad. Not I don't feel bad for Yumi Udoka at all, but I do feel sad for him only because like I can't think of the last time like such an immediate star in their sports profession, like just like ruined their entire career over just some nonsense. Like, like something that was so easily avoidable. Like, it, like that, that's just sad to me. Like this is a guy who was a very young head coach. First year as a head coach takes his team on an unlikely run to the NBA finals. And you lose it all for this. That is sad to me. I can't, you know, again, I can't say I feel bad for him, but I'm just like, I, I wish he chose better. I wish he made better decisions. Um, I'm a Nick fan, so I don't necessarily have 
feel bad at all for the Celtics. And that's why I say I don't, so don't feel bad for him. But I feel bad for all those other things, and I feel sad just to see someone of such obvious brilliance put themselves in a situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I mean, I echo your sentiments. It's very unfortunate. Um, very unfortunate situation. Uh, it was an incredible run that we saw uh, the Boston Celtics go on. Um, from what I, from just the, the, of course, the brief research I've seen, it seems like a very messy, uh, you know, potentially very messy scandal uh, in which I, I don't really need or, 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 or want the, the details of, you know, it's none of my business. It's, you know, the, that's kind of, that's, that's, not, that's, not, that's another thing too. It's yeah. not my business. You know, like it, it's, it's not my business. He had some kind of relationship with somebody else or, and then I'm hearing all oh, unwanted and I'm like, okay, so the Boston Celtics are taking action against that now. And is if there, if any, if, there, if someone chooses to do some kind of litigation, then that will happen. But it's not something where it's like, I need all the details. Where are the details? It's like, I don't, I don't really need the details. Then you, um, you know, I'm not in a position where I really want to pass judgment on someone in this situation. It seems like just a terrible situation. Udoka had every opportunity to not put himself in this situation. He is at fault, right? There is no scenario in which Udoka is not at fault for any of this. You know, he shouldn't have done this. He didn't need to do this. You know, at the very least, this was he cheated on his spot on his, you know, significant other. At the very least, we all agree that's not that's not good. <laughs> you know? Uh from you know, so and I think and it I wasn't think, a situation think, yeah, in which that, right. it doesn't seem to be a situation in which that was you know something that was okay or openly discussed right, between course, each right, other or anything yeah. like that, you know. But regardless, like I said at the, at the jump, it's not my business. You know, the Celtics are taking action, seem to be taking action. You know, good for them, and and you know, too bad for the Celtics. I'm sure Kendall would, would probably would have liked to uh, speak on this because of course, yeah, we'll, we'll, probably, we'll probably get him on uh, when we do a basketball or something um, show soon. So he'll talk about absolutely. This. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a messy situation and it, and it seems to just be bad for everybody involved. Yeah, it, it is. And it's unfortunate, you know, um, again, I, I wish it, I wish it did not happen. I, I, you know, as much as I love to see the Celtics struggle, I wish this did not happen. Um, but yeah, I just, I just wish people, I don't know. And I, what I will say is I think. It's tricky because even when we say, well, it's none of our business, and I 100% agree with that, there is an aspect of, well, this guy is a public figure, and now he's being, yeah, removed, from, the team, he's being right. removed from this job, which is, you know, the coach of a major basketball team right. where people invest money in and buy tickets to and are fans of. So that, so then there's some aspect of, well, they're, they're owed some kind of information, which I think is where this kind of tough gray area lies and why this is so hard to navigate, I think, honestly. Right, and I, I think yeah. I think if I if really for me if I had anything in terms of any kind of grief for the for the Celtics, again it's hard for me to say because I don't know all the information. <laughs> like like I, even when I want to broach that way, I'm like, well, I don't I don't know everything. Like it's hard to just say, you know, well, why wasn't he like you know the big question? Well, okay, well, why wasn't he fired if he broke rules? It's like, well, I mean, it's not first of all like they can do whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> like if a guy breaks rules, they can decide you're susp- like they don't like this idea that you have to fire somebody because in certain situations I don't really understand that argument. Like you can decide, well, we're gonna give him punishment, and we believe this punishment fits this crime. Like I don't under- I don't get 
Now, again, I do. I think that there's they're trying to. I think they want him to quit. Again, I think there's a whole thing with that. And honestly, I would say to me that would probably be my only critique of anything they've done is that I think if that is the reason why this is all happening, which is my only speculation with this. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like if you really feel like you got protected women in your in your in your you know building, uh, arguing over a couple million dollars or even if it's ten million dollars or twelve million dollars just doesn't seem worth it. Like, and it, it certainly don't seem worth it right now because they really embarrass a lot of people in there if that's what happened. But yeah, man, just a sad situation all around. Wanted to make sure we we, we touched on it at least. But um, speaking of a sad situation and even more egregious situation in my eyes. Green Bay Packers legend Brett Favre is in hot water amid fraud allegations in his home state of Mississippi. Favre is accused of misusing money allocated for Mississippi state welfare recipients to fund his own personal pet projects. Favre says he was not aware of where the money was coming from, but texts show him communicating with the governor and other local officials pushing for money to build, among other things, a volleyball facility at Southern Miss, which is the school that he went to and a school where his daughter was playing volleyball at, and a biotechnology startup that he invested in. Far received allegedly five million dollars for the volleyball facility from a nonprofit that misappropriated those funds. The head of that organization, who was in direct contact with Far, has already ple- pleaded guilty to fraud charges, along with another person who served as the executive director of human services in Mississippi under the governor at that time. There are also text exchanges between Favre and then Governor Phil Bryant, where the governor cautions him that using the welfare funds for these projects would be illegal. Now, Shamari, you've been a Packers fan for a long time. You began rooting for the Packers in Brett Favre's heyday. You're a Packers fan in part because of Brett Favre. So I want to get your thoughts on how do you, how do you feel seeing this situation play out with Brett Favre? You see, EJ, I feel like you always setting me up. No, I'm setting you up how? You get me on here, you get uh, some crazy Packers story. Look, I ain't look, I ain't tell Brett Favre to, <laughs> to steal money from people from the poor from the great people of Mississippi. I ain't tell him to do that. He just doing the stuff and we got we gotta talk about it. I look, it wasn't me. I don't know, man. I you know seems like it seems like every every week is some other Packers story that I gotta react to. Oh look, it's not it's on. look, it's not my it's not my fault that your organization and the people in your that yeah, play for your organization are messy. It, that ain't me. Some and look, I'm a Jeff on, fan, so I, I can't I can't even avoid it. And I do this show every week. You know, it's been retired. Far has been retired for how long, and now he's still involved in this, some kind of Packers <laughs> mess. And like, I mean, this is a, a horrible situation. I don't do not, I, I, of course, do not approve of what Brett Favre seems to have been involved in here with this, with taking money from uh, from. Uh, you know, state welfare funds in, in this this crazy uh, crazy situation. Um, I mean, it's just it's it's sad. You know, you hate to see anything like this. Any kind of you know, uh, well, first of all, it's very illegal. Just just from a legal sense. I mean, you're you're like stealing from the state. Um, you know, Mississippi, and you're in in taking money that that would have gone to help. Uh, you know, people in need, families in need, etc. Um, so that's just an atrocious kind of just crime, just legally. Um, so, you know, look, I do, I, you know, do I think Favre is a, a terrible guy, evil guy, whatever? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. But that's a terrible crime to do. So, I mean, oh, yeah. if, if he did this and it looks like he did, he's got to face justice for that. You know, so, that's... you know, something should happen. You know, I mean, Vic did what he did. He went to jail. You know, he did the time. 
You know, yeah. as much as people love to hate him and and look, he what he did was to, what he was involved in. You know, whether how much he knew or not or or whatever is, is of course is in question. But he did time. He went to jail. He did his time. You know, Favre is just out here, just not just he's just here. Just nothing is happening. So. Yeah, you know, he, was, he was pretty... still doing. He was still doing. He was still doing. He, uh, I don't know why I sound like Emma Fudge just there. He was still. He was still. Um, he was still doing his radio show up until like last week. They finally yeah, you know, like pulled him up the air. This is crazy. Like that's is crazy. You know. So it, I mean, there needs to be some kind of accountability there. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. You know, I don't know. I don't think uh, you know as long as you know the Packers organization was not involved. You know, which I mean, I don't see why how they would be. This is in Mississippi, but you know, as long as they're just kind of keeping him at arm's length at this point and just just focusing on the season, trying not to pay attention to the distractions and or offer any kind of any kind of uh, you know media cover or anything like that, just kind of you know just kind of focus on football. You know, I think that's that would be best for the organization. But yeah, this is just a sad a sad story, sad situation. Yeah, man. I mean, for me, when I look at this Brett Favre situation, I think. This to me is the unfortunate price we pay when we enable sociopaths and mm-hmm. when we when we don't when, when we don't live by the ideal when someone shows you who they are believe them the first time because obviously this is the I say obviously, but maybe it's not obvious, but this appears to be the worst thing Brett Favre has been associated with or done in his public life that we know of. But to say that the clues weren't there, that Brett Favre was a bad dude, would just be putting your head in the sand at this point. You go back to his time with, I'm even going to go before the New York Jets. And it's not even a criminal thing or anything like that. But even just that whole way, the whole Packers thing ended, where he just thought that he could just, come back and retire and come back whenever the hell he wanted and be damned whoever the hell is on the team and who's coaching and whatever. Like even how he handled that showed a level of hubris and a level of arrogance that should have all alarmed us. Well, we were kind of all under the malaise of, oh, it's the good old farm boy who, you know, jumps in his receiver's arm and they catch a touchdown. He just loves the football. He loves the game of football. Like we all believed in that like superhero character that was pitched to us. Mm-hmm. And then you go to his time with the Jets and you see him send those ridiculous lewd text messages to Jen Sturger, the game day host for the Jets at that time, who I know she's done great work with uh, Schmodowns and she's done a lot of cool stuff since then. So shout out to Jen Sturger. She's a knoll, so I don't like that. But besides that, all good stuff for her. But like you, we saw that happen. Like we saw the text. The texts were there. And the NFL didn't suspend him. The Jets didn't suspend him. Shame on the Jets. Shame on the NFL. He only got a $50,000 fine for that incident. And only because he didn't cooperate with the investigation. It wasn't even for the act. They said they couldn't determine or or actually have evidence that it was actually him. They couldn't prove for certain that it was him. But because he didn't cooperate, they gave him a $50,000 fine. That was it. I mean, think about this thing where dude, we're going on. we have going on with Ime Udoka. Well, he's literally gone for a year right now for something involving a coworker. Consensual, maybe it was consensual and didn't consensual. We don't really know all that yet, but we know something, some kind of relationship with a coworker. 
and he's got a year. Brett Favre was without consent sending sexual explicit messages to a coworker, a staffer, and he got a fifty thousand dollar fine. That was way back then. We saw this guy was a bad dude. And then we've seen in his post career bozo behavior from Brett Favre. How about Brett Favre coming out and saying that black players didn't have a right to express themselves via protests because of the killings of black people by the hands of police or other people in America. Him saying that politics and sports should be kept separate at a time of tremendous strife in this country. Meanwhile, a week later, he's talking about how, well, I don't know if Derek Chauvin actually meant to kill George Floyd. So a sports figure who just said that we should keep sports and politics separate is going on shows talking to politics and talking about how he can justify a white police officer murdering a black man on camera. So when it comes to Brett Favre, and there's a lot of examples I'm not even going to get into because maybe there's a little more gray, gray area, but those are three things I think everybody could agree are nasty. We know Brett Favre is a bad dude. We know he's a scumbag. We've seen it already. But because we live in this world where I think there's a little bit of a backlash to the, I hate to even say the word because I don't believe in the term, but because there's a backlash to cancel culture, there's this idea that we have to just ignore when people are actually bad people and just go along with the game and go along with the sham. We've been going along with the Brett Favre sham for years now. We know this guy's a clown. Is anyone surprised that he's a, a, he's, he's, he, he had the kind of arrogance to think that he could take money from, use his celebrity and use his star power to get money from local government? No, this guy's been trying to game the system and, and get ahead of people for his entire career, or at least for the last 15 years. We've seen that. We, there's evidence of that. But what, what, what annoys me, because the, the conversation that's been happening, Sham, has been, oh, why didn't they get more coverage? And, you know, what's going on with this? And how can we don't know more about this or more about Brett Favre? And then what bothers me is you have athletes who, if they kiss the right amount of ass and they get the right amount of people to feed us BS about them, which is that Brett Favre is just good, this good old farm boy who just loves football, that you get better press. And things that don't look all that good when seen closer in the light get shoved aside or get brushed under the rug. While other athletes who maybe don't have those sign connections, don't have that kind of rapport, or don't have that kind of backing, they don't get that. And therefore, they get just bludgeoned by the media or bludgeoned by fans for mistakes that they make. Mm-hmm. So this Brett Favre situation just feels like a long time coming. And I feel like Brett Favre is responsible for his own actions. The guy is a bozo. So I'm not at all saying that anyone else is to blame for what he did. But I think this kind of thing like, oh, wow, really, Brett Favre did that. That sucks. I'm sorry. We're all uh, we're all, uh, com- we're all complicit in that. We've known that he sucks. And we just say, well, he's a good old farm boy for the Packers. So we're going to you know, give him the old, old good old cheer when he comes back to Lambeau Field. In his post-retirement. We're going to bring him on this podcast to talk about. To make ridiculous talking points about. 
Derek Chauvin, and we're just going to pretend it didn't happen next time he shows up at Lambeau Field. Or we're going to pretend that he didn't harass that woman and make her ruin her entire career at that time. We're just going to pretend that didn't happen because he's Brett Favre. He's the good old country boy. It's BS, man. Like, it's it's straight BS. And that's what bothered me about this thing. And I tweeted, I was like, man, like, thank mm-hmm. God Brett Favre was such a bum for the Jets that, like, there is no, like, I never had any, like, I never had any, like, gray area about how I felt about Brett Favre. Like, thank, like mm-hmm. I feel bad. I'm like, yo, like, if I was a Packer fan, like, I'm sure they do feel conflicted. The guy is legitimately probably the best player to ever play for them, or if not, the second best. And, like, I get that that's different. But, like, he was a bum for me, so I, I I see very clearly that he's a bum off the field. Like, it's very, it's, like, red, blaring red flags. Obvious. But I think for the rest of the football world and the rest of the sports world, the reason why people are kind of in this malaise when it comes to this story, people ask me, well, why aren't we talking about this more? It's like, uh, well, one, we've been fed to believe lies. And two, because of this backlash to this quote-unquote cancer culture, we're led to believe that we kind of have to, Oh, we should actually just be okay with bad behavior because we can't just keep getting rid of everybody. Like, we do know Brett Favre's still a great player. With this thought that we can't get him out of the Hall of Fame, why not? Like, why Like why is he, why did, Why can't he be knocked out of the Hall of Fame? We're okay with people just stealing money from <laughs> poor people and being like, oh, well, he's still a great football player, so we should still honor him. Why are we honoring him? We don't have to. That's not a thing we have to do. But I think we're kind of, we're in a weird, I feel like we're in a weird place in the world right now with how we kind of look at these situations. And when people ask, why isn't this, isn't this getting more coverage? A lot of people led to the fact that, well, it's because nobody really agrees with what Brett Favre did. I don't, I think it's deeper than that. I think I agree. Yes. I don't think anybody will defend him on this, but I guarantee you when you start talking about, well, we should start taking him away from this and not showcasing him in that and, and start saying that his legacy is tarnished. That becomes an argument. I guarantee you that becomes a debate and people are willing to defend that part of it. And that's where I think it's the whole, well, we got to learn to live with bad people. <laughs> Our state that we are in America that have led us to this. But it sucks, man. It sucks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 very it's very annoying. It's, it's very, um, you know, and I haven't seen many people in Packer circles, you know, even talking about this for obvious reasons, obviously it's a terrible situation. <laughs> so, you know, you know, we, you know, of course no one wants to, you know, bring up such horrible behavior yeah. from someone it's, who's it's, supposed it's to a, represent it's a downer, or- man. Someone who's supposed to represent the organization, you know, yeah. and be like a positive, um, a positive representation of the organization. And so it's, it's, it's like you said, it's a downer. It's a terrible situation. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's probably, probably akin to however Falcons fans feel about Michael Vick, even though, even though Vick wasn't, you know, of course he was, what he did, what he, or what he was involved in was bad as well, but he went to jail, right? At least he was caught. He went yeah, to jail. Yeah he, yeah. he went to jail, you know, and, and I don't want to get the whole thing. Time with, and, yeah. And I don't want to get the whole thing with team pets versus people but no people right, were harmed yeah. will he did you know what i'm saying like that's that is a difference right, right, right. to this yeah and and look i'm not a, you know i've never owned a pet so i don't know so i know some people are like oh it's my family I, I, right I yeah I mean, and i and i respect but, that i mean i i totally do but, but like no. like think about again 
Favre is harming people who are in the absolute worst need. Yeah, he is. What Mike yep. Vick did was absolutely yep. heinous, but like you said, he went to prison absolutely. for it. Favre, yep. it's just, again, he's doing radio shows. Even, yeah, he just, it's he not nothing, even like like he he been stealing money. It's not like this. Oh, this happened yesterday. Like he like they've been looking into this thing for years, and it wasn't for some of the great reporting coming out of local reporters out of Mississippi. You want to talk about supporting local journalism? That is what we're talking about. If it wasn't for that reporting, we wouldn't even know any of this. We wouldn't know any of this, yep. and I don't know if he would even be linked in this investigation. Because if we don't know yep. what's going on, the government or the investigator could just wipe his part of it under the rug and get rid of the people that they really want to get rid of. But now we're getting these text messages. Now we're getting all this stuff that's leaked. Not, they look crazy if they don't throw him in prison. But EJ, but EJ, John, Brett Favre is John Madden's boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's John, John Madden's, Madden's favorite John player. Madden and, of course, I love John Ledge, John Madden. <laughs> but he's John Madden's favorite player. And, oh, look at him. He got the boy, he's got the boyhood charm. Of running around the field, he's just happy to be out there. Like, come, like, yo, we got fed that nonsense. Yeah, we got. And yeah, what what sucks is that, like, Absolutely. there are even people back then that would say, like, you guys, I remember it because I it used to, it stuck out to me. People who would report on the Packers or report on Favre, people who wrote books on Favre, they say, you guys really buy into this, like, this little old country boy happy to be out there character that he 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 puts out there. But he's a very sophisticated man. And he's a lot smarter and a lot more cunning than people realize. I've heard I've heard people say that, and on the record, right. not not like people I've talked to like off the record. I mean, people have said it on TV or whatever. I'm like, oh wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, they said I, they talked about it a lot, particularly when it came to the jet stuff, because like, well, how would he deal with being in right. New York? They're like, oh no, he knows the value of being in New York. He's an extremely sophisticated man, but you, he plays a guy for you people. Like, right. we bought into that. And we bought into that, and even we bought that, and we kept and we kept buying into it, even when we should have already thrown him in the garbage. We should have thrown him in the garbage the minute he was harassing Jen Sturger. Mm-hmm. But we but we kept him around, we kept him around, and we enabled him, and he you know railroaded those people in Mississippi. I feel terrible for those people who did not get money they were supposed to get because this guy wanted to buy build a freaking viable facility. There was a report sham that he. He wanted millions of dollars so that they can improve the football facilities at Southern Mississippi so that they could recruit uh, Deion Sanders' son, Shadir Sanders, to play football there. Like this is what this is what this, this guy thought welfare money was. This is what this he thought this was good use of this to recruit other football players to come play football. Yeah, I mean it's terrible. I mean, I mean just just. Just horrible acts, you know, horrible acts in which there should be consequences, right? And it's kind of disturbing that there haven't there have been none so far. Yeah, and I think, I, I think fortunately, I think that there not has to be. I don't think that they can just skate by and say, okay, we're good now. We just, you know, we got the people who plead guilty and we're just gonna move on. Like I think I saw a report saying this is the biggest, uh, this is the biggest fraud scandal, or. Uh, yeah, biggest fraud scandal in Mississippi State history in terms of the amount of money that was being thrown around. Like we're talking about millions wow. and millions of dollars that were going to like some of this money went to Ted DiBiase allegedly. You know the rest, the wrestler, the the million dollar man. Apparently, the million dollar man needed millions of dollars, <laughs> which is just crazy. Like right. he was getting he was getting money from this. Like there's some random people in there. I'm like, how is this person linked to this? So. Right. And now the I mean Brett Favre is by far the biggest name involved with this. Like I I, I just don't see how he doesn't get he don't get thrown in prison. 
this is a story where you do got a lot of information. Unlike the email Doga situation, we got text messages. Yeah, there's we, a lot of you no. Know, we of got receipts. we got there's there's like there's there's uh, government filings. Like there's a lot of receipts here. Receipts. That's from, why like, I have no problem coming out here. The governor. That's why I have no problem coming out here flaming Brett Favre and flaming these people. You guys all should be ashamed of yourself. And shame yeah. on the media for feeling like because it's not something you can argue that you can't talk about it. I think that that's also corny. I, I don't. There's no. I don't think our discussion on sports media should be solely based on can it be argued. There are some things that just need to be discussed and some things that need to be addressed. And when you talk about all the goodwill we've given Brett Favre, all the good press we've given Brett Favre, the idea that we shouldn't give him any press for this because nobody agrees with what he did is ridiculous. Nobody agrees what O.J. Simpson allegedly did. That was the biggest story in the world for, like, years. <laughs> we still talked about it. So we need to come up with yeah. some better excuse for why we're not all flaming Brett Favre for this terrible behavior. That's going to do it for this edition of New Generation Sports Talk. Of course, thanks to my guy, Shan, for joining me. Thank you guys all for listening. Of course, if you enjoyed this show, be sure to check out all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and uh, Stitcher. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcasts. And on Facebook, New Generation Media as well. Follow us individually on social media. Shamari's on Instagram and Snapchat, MCShannon22. You can find me on uh, Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart. Instagram, ActionEJ, as well as TikTok, ActionEJ. Thank you guys again so much for checking us out. For Shamari, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.